This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash Breakaway today to support this podcast. For as little as a cup of coffee a month, you can get access to our BSBOTs, Discord, and much more. And you get to support our dumbasses, so that's super fun. Today's show, we have Shayna Goldman on. Shayna kills it as always. We talk about the weirdness over the past couple weeks, the disaster, the disappointment, everything. And also, if you are around Wednesday night for a late night game, I will be in a hotel in the Midwest, but I will be doing a live watch with Greg on playback of Knights Rangers. So come join us. Come hang out for three periods. Could be could be monumental game. Who knows? So stay tuned. But without further ado, here's Mark Messier, and let's get to the weird, wacky week of New York Rangers news, shall we? Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Bushers Break fans, welcome to the week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, the Rangers have won a hockey game. That's Been it. through a lot in the last 72 hours. Did it feel like a playoff win? No. <laughs> a little bit for me. It's God been so no. long since I've been happy. Uh, you're happy after that performance? I didn't think it was a great performance, but I, did, I will say that when Kreider scored the shorthanded goal, I was like, is this what it was like? This is what it was like all last year? I can't believe this. This no, is so there's, nice. There's a stink on this team that doesn't come off without the tomato soup bath. Oh, this this game was still a nightmare. Up until Capo Caco and Lafreniere got moved up, and Caco continues to hit every single post in Vinny Trojek style. Mm. Uh, but for the most of the game, I mean, I you watched the first two periods. Uh, they were disastrous. And then all of a sudden... Um, when Keandre scores that goal, they kind of get back into the game. And really, if it wasn't for Bennington being so garbage, I do think Gallant could have lost his job tonight. I'm still not convinced he won't. Um, there's something about that third period and the end of the second period that it didn't feel like Gallant made an adjustment as much as it said, oh, you really think this is going to fucking help here? I'll show you how it won't help. It was kind of like a FU, wasn't it? Yeah. Because there's no way he'd put Kako and Lafreniere with Mika. He's never done that. Especially Once. after Lafreniere committed the cardinal sin, which is an offensive zone penalty. And then Larry unfortunately tweeted about it, and then Lafreniere immediately produced two points. Yes. In Larry's defense, it does feel like I don't have the numbers to back it up, but looking at Greg Kaplan's private data, uh, 100% right. of Lafreniere's penalties have come in the offensive zone away from the puck, and it is maddening to a certain extent. Oh, it's very Ryan Stromian. In, in that case, where Ryan Strom did that a million times last year with Panarin. And then all of a sudden, still played there. So it didn't matter. Yep. But Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I digress. From where, from where I sit, that adjustment that Gallant made really felt like, uh, I'm, I'll tell you before I leave here, this isn't going to help. And then it did help. And now I'm like, I think he made it worse somehow. It, it did, all, again, it does seem like a spite move. Because I don't... I know he likes the kid line, and there's no heedle, right? So it's kind of like the natural progression. It's like, all right, let's just give him Mika. But we've been covering this team for a long time. That's me being a journalist, by the way, just bragging about it. Uh, we've never – have you ever seen – that's the line we've never seen one time. Not even mm-hmm. like – there. have you we even theorized that line ever? No. Never. Okay, cool. I agree. Um, the, the game stunk until it didn't. They finally pull off a win. 
And I, I legitimately think if Bennington just isn't so trash, like so inept right now at being a goalie, uh, tonight's the night everything goes to hell. But the, the Garden crowd gets to have a little bit of uh, dopamine injected into their veins. They get to live what it used to be like because of Bennington and because the Blues are kind of struggling right now as well. But it's not like uh, it's not like the Rangers gave them any great shakes. They really weren't helping Igor out at any point in time. Uh, they weren't producing offense for most of the game until they scored six goals. And uh, boy, I am really curious to see how the next five games go because they are a doozy. We talk a little bit about them later with Shayna, but there is no easy games coming up at all. I I don't think I've ever I really keep trying to think back to an experience like the one we're going through with the current New York Ranger head coach where I mean it's never happened in Met history where a coach came in with this much expectation and so quickly the the tide turned cuz Willie Randolph was fine all of 2007 the Mets waited all year to collapse there, and he got fired in 2008. They bring in Terry Collins. They never really had expectations. We don't the need Knicks, to go through the, the entire Mets history here. No, but, but yeah. I'm just thinking the Knicks have never had expectation, so it, That's this true. isn't going to apply to them. Um, I guess Rex, it's a little Rex bit Ryan like... hung on for a long time. He hung on a little bit longer than forever. he was supposed to. Coughlin did as well. Yeah, but I Coughlin, don't think... Coughlin got fired like two years after the Super Bowl, right? The second yeah, one, but he got, he, got, a, he, he got, got a full... We're at game, what, what was this, 24? Yeah, he got a full year at least. And it's over. It's what it feels like. It's It does feel like it. One win tonight won't settle it. The Rangers have to... How many wins in a row do the Rangers need to win right now for Gallant to keep his job? I guess that's the real question. What needs what to happen for him to keep it? Yeah, because right now it does feel like there's no almost no chance. Even like one more bad loss... Is is it? Because they play the Golden Knights on Wednesday, his former team. Then they play the Avalanche on Friday. What the Avalanche, by the way, are going to be missing Nathan McKinnon. It seems like, and it also seems like they are very injury ridden. So they're a beatable team. But then it's Devils, Leafs, and then of course some bad teams: Flyers, Blackhawks. But Devils, Leafs—that's not easy at all. One of those being a disaster is it for Glant. If any single it, one, it's over. I don't even think it needs to be. <laughs> oh no. Uh, Trocek said post game what happened between the second and third period is that the players talked to themselves. Uh, boy, wait, they talked to themselves. They t- we talked amongst ourselves, as in the players talked amongst themselves. Um, okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. Okay, buddy. No, like, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It is very well known and very common that Glant doesn't say a ton in between periods. And he usually lets the leadership group lead these mid-period, mid-intermission discussions. So this isn't this isn't breaking news that the players are holding themselves accountable. It just reads differently when the vibe is as low as it currently is. Fine. There, you're, you are correct. But if I was about to lose my job, I might say something. I feel like, guys, maybe we play a little bit out there, hey? Maybe we don't look look like shit like we have the last two weeks. Uh, I don't yeah. know. But you were asking, what does he have to do to keep his job? I mean, if it's he never so loses It's so funny because three weeks ago, they were like, we literally said on this show, no chance. No well, chance he gets fired in season. All right, well, let's have the conversation this way. 
Do we think firing Gallant... Oh, God, I hate doing this because then people are going to be like, oh, you're, you're, you're defending Gallant just like you defend Quinn, blah, blah, blah. But no, 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 there's a bigger point here. It's do, totally different. Do we think firing Gallant is going to have the intended effect? Do we? I, I will say the dead cat bounce of a new manager will take effect. It's the long term that you really got to be looking at here. Yeah. Well, uh, no matter right. who comes in, I think this team bounces back in in some way. Whether it's the team we expected it to be or not, not so sure. Will they will they put together an above five hundred run up for a new coach? Yes, no doubt about it. Well, yeah, but the, that, that, the, that's new, the, the new coach thing. the new coach bounce is real because players will feel a lift off their shoulders by some. There are two ways it goes. Players feel the lift off their shoulders. They take off. They start playing better. Or players put even more pressure on their shoulders and they completely crumble and collapse. More times than not, it's it's the former, not the latter. But listen, here's my thing, Ryan. Let me be a little bit of a dick for a second. May I yep, be a dick? That, that's, oh, Greg, by all means, this is your show. Please and thank you. Uh, I just want to shout out every single one of you Fire Quinn mouth breathers for a second that told me Bringing in Gerard Gallant was going to solve all the Rangers' problems, and that the young oh, players. You're, this is, oh, I did not see you going yeah, this way. No, because I'm fucking Ryan. We ate so much shit. The we did the amount of shit we ate, and every time we would have to clarify the comments, being like, "We're not saying David Quinn is the fucking He's the answer. Is the He's answer? Not. We're just saying it's probably not Gerard Gallant either, because it's different strokes, different folks." It also I gotta was, tell you, Ryan. Yes, quite. Similar strokes. If we're on, if anything, I'll admit to being wrong. I thought Glenn would be pretty, at least a little different, and not the exact same fucking thing. He's he's different in some new, like very small ways, mm. extremely small, mm. in not let in letting the lines gel a little bit more often. Quinn is definitely a more vocal guy. Um, both of them hate development. That's clear. They fucking hate it. Quinn, uh, with the Quinn occasionally of, would eat some shit and put some stuff on his shoulders. He would. He would. Where Gerard Glant is never doing that. Nor yeah, Gerard is Gerard Glant's interesting where he never throws a player under the bus, but he's never done it. Nor himself. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really he's found a way to really thread that needle that I didn't expect. But what I'm saying is, do I expect Chris Knobloch to come in here and be a Jack Adams award winning coach? No. No. I think he's gonna be like how many times have we've talked about like the middle 80% that is the National Hockey League, where there's five dudes at the top that are absolutely stunning and five dudes at the bottom that are absolutely horrific. And then you get those 27 bros or however many, what what is it, 22 guys in the middle that are really just the same. And Gallant is so... And there are guys that go to the bottom and top, like they slip in the sixth spot and they like think they're the guy... You know, like, so we'd say the top three coaches right now are Cooper, Trotz, even though he doesn't have a job, and Rod. That's, like, kind of it. No, I'd put Bednar ahead of Trotz right now. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, one a cup. What else can you say? Yeah, the Avalanche are a fucking unit. They are. They play very hard. They they, they like analytics over there, too, I heard. So, I'll go figure. Pretty interesting. Uh, yes, but you're right. There is those six or seven guys that are, like, the coach. And after that, it's kind of like, eh, what do we have here? 
And even those coaches, by the way, do stupid hockey guy things like all the time. They can't help themselves. Well, I mean, Trotz even does stupid hockey guy things. As Trotz much did as, a lot of stupid hockey guy things. As much as we love Trotz, and I know Trotz's name, his name's going to be super popular the next couple of days, weeks, months, however How long. How could it not? We All we did when the Islanders were making Eastern Conference Finals runs on this show was be mm-hmm. like, you know who the best coach in the league is? Barry Trotz. Well, <laughs> like, but that's Barry, what we said. I am confident Barry Trotz, if he was to be brought in, every veteran, every established player, he's going to squeeze every fucking ounce of talent out of that guy. Like Barclay Goodrow, whatever the best possible version of Barclay Goodrow is, Barry Trotz will find it. Whatever the best possible version of Jimmy VC is, Barry Trotz will find it. Whatever, quite honestly, the like 52 goal scorer Chris Kreider, potential to come back again under a guy like Barry Trotz. But it's important to point out, Barry Trotz ain't exactly the ease a young player into big minutes kind of guy. So oh, like if you no way. If you think Trotz is gonna come in and he's gonna unleash Kravtsov, Kako, Heedle, Lafreniere, maybe not. Now the Rangers will be a really good hockey team, I'm confident. And I'm again confident Jacob Truba will probably have a huge turnaround. Keandre Miller will find some comfort. I you don't have to dig very hard to find all the young defensemen that blossomed in a Barry Trot system. It's all there for the taking. But I just would caution everybody again. He's not exactly the guy that's just going to be like, you know, it would be great if I got Kapokako 20 minutes of ice time. It might not happen, but the Rangers might start winning hockey games. So then you once again have to weigh the, all right, well, what's my true goal here? What do I want? What, what brings me happiness in my life? Wins or player development? Wins or player development? Now, there is a world, Ryan. This is crazy. A world in which both those things could be happening simultaneously. And you got Whoa. a quick little slice of it tonight. Yeah, you did. And it turns out when you give players who have skill confidence, trust in them, even if it was out of spite, which it certainly seems like. And I can't God, get over I, it. I can't. I, I can't. I, I know we sound like some bitter old pricks. I know it, we do. But I know we I, do. I saw it as literally Glant being like, well, all my ideas worked. And you think this dumb idea of yours is going to work yeah fucking right but i'm gonna show you it doesn't work yeah look door. look it's four four i'm putting the kids out there we'll lose i'll double shift them four, whatever four. It was four, out three there. when he did it yeah oh, we're losing yeah. when he did it <laughs> yeah and here they are six four jesus christ uh i don't even know where to go from there it's it, it, i can't imagine he saves this job Unless the Rangers win like four in a row and they look absolutely dominant the whole time. But Halak is going to have to start one of those games. And uh, he has well, not been good this season. One, one has to wonder how long Halak is going to be here too. No move contract. Just throw um, it out there. Yeah, um, and again, Halak kept his ass in Vancouver all of last year too. So here are the games between now and Christmas. Uh, road on Are we doing Mike and Mad Dog or no? No, no, no I don't know. Okay. Buddy... They might all be losses, but I, I <laughs> in Vegas at Colorado home devils, home Leafs at Philly at Chicago at Pittsburgh home Islanders. Does oh Galen God. say Merry Christmas in New York city? My gut the says end of that Islander game. My gut says no. Does he see that Philly game on the 17th? I'm giving you a pause. Because I lean no. I lean he might get fired in Vegas. I 
but Eichel's not playing, which is good. That we think. He didn't play tonight. He'll come back for the Rangers, fucker. I just um if you if it if it's down to Gallant, if he loses another game is gone, why do you even let him go on this road trip? That's what I'm saying, but you're not gonna fire him after a win, are you? Like would you? We I listen, I I had this conversation. It does think, seem like the locker room is a little bit testy about this whole thing. Just saying. I I don't think teams have to fire coaches after losses. Again, Willie Randolph's last game with the New York Mets was a win. Then they let him fly to L.A., and then they fired him at 3 o'clock in the morning because that's a well-run organization. But we're talking about a team owned by James Dolan, which has more in common with Fred Wilpon in terms of mindset than one is willing to admit. See, because we have friends in high places, we know that James Dolan was at the game tonight. And we know he was... He was uh, having a great time. Do we I know can't that? Imagine- now, hold on. We also know James Dolan's tendencies. Do we think he stayed for the third period? He was there. We have photo evidence. Uh, in the third period. If we have photo evidence in the third period. In check the, the third chat. period. Check the chat. <laughs> um, yes, he stayed for the third period. And, and we know that he was uh, celebrating and stuff like that. So we, I don't expect him to just go back and be like, wow, what a great win. I had a great time with my friends at MSG. Andrew Argolant, you're fired. But I do wonder, like, if he – can I ask a stupid question? Do you think Dolan ever, like, talks to Chris Kreider? <laughs> like, no. hey, what's up? No. What do you think about this? Hey, Truba, what do you think about this? Or is it just, like, management only? Management only. Do you think he talks to anyone in the Knicks? You think James Dolan's just having dinner with Julius Randle? Yeah, actually, I would fucking love to see that. Julius, how are you? Have you ever played a kazoo? Yeah, okay, fair, good point. Boy, I hope he listens to this show. He doesn't. (laughs) There's no fucking way. I've been surprised before. I really have been. Buddy, you haven't been that surprised. Let me tell you. That's true. Uh, Okay, yeah, I'm with you. I think, uh, I do think, I, I just think he gets fired next three games, four games. Just takes one disaster, and the Rangers didn't exactly play great tonight until they won, which I know sounds so stupid. If the if the Blues, it's so funny. Remember when we got crushed for saying Huso was still on the Blues? If Huso was on the Blues, you know what the Blues do tonight? Oh, Win. crush the Rangers. <laughs> I know the Rangers also beat Huso in the Detroit Red Wings. I get that. They did that was the eight-goal game. No, I'm, com- I'm there, confident but... Huso beats the ever-loving dick out of the Rangers tonight. I'm with you. Um I was just going to make a good point, and now it's gone. It's well, out of my well, head. What are you going to do? I know. I know. Justin Verlander. Hey, he's a Met. Congratulations. <laughs> Anything else happened? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> my life was so – Friday Friday is really up there for, like, most depressing days of my life territory. I've lived a pretty good life where that gets to be one of the most depressing days. Where, like – Here's the, here's the thing, Ryan. I really thought I was doing something right. And this is Ranger-related, I promise. I get it's it. Not, it's not. Who cares? Uh, you know where the, you are, everybody. After, but... the first, after the first <laughs> period, my phone was down to 9%. I remember the exact percentage it was at. And I told myself, hey, you know what? I'm just going to put my phone away during intermission. I'm going to put the wire on. I've been re-watching it recently. I'm going to enjoy this intermission. I'm going to take this 20 minutes. I'm going to finish dinner. I'm going to plug my phone in. And I'll just go get it before the start of the period. So I set a timer on the microwave, because that's how old I am, Wow! For 20, for 20 minutes. And when the timer went off, I turned MSG on. Sam and Joe, or I think it was Kenny and Joe, welcomed me back to the game. Uh, and then I was like, oh, I should probably go get my phone. Ryan, 30 messages, 
six missed calls, more Twitter notifications than I cared for, a couple Slack notifications, some (laughs) Discord notifications. And you know what the saddest part is, Ryan? My first initial thought was, maybe this is good news. (laughs) Oh, no. Greg? Maybe, Maybe someone is trying to tell me something good. Maybe something good happened in my life. Maybe this is a positive. I cannot believe I allowed myself that one fucking moment <laughs> I can't believe my initial... What the fuck have I learned in my life where I look at my phone and go, you know, this could be the one time it's something good. This could and then be every, it. Everything is just like, yeah, he's a Texas Ranger. And I'm just like, cool, I would like to die. Now... If you were sitting there being like, well, surely it didn't get worse. Oh, but did it? Because the Rangers led up the game-tying goal with under a minute to go, then played a whole lifeless overtime, and decided to take almost the full five minutes to fucking lose. So, went oh, back, went uh, in my room. 18 seconds left, I think. It was yeah, brutal. Yeah, brutal. Life brutal. sucks. Uh, anyway, speaking of sucks, the New York Rangers, who are not very good. I, it, it does get to a point... The percentage chance of Gallant walking out of the garden with his job if they had lost tonight, like if it I was a four under five percent four three final score after that lifeless lifeless Ryan second period, it, it's lower than five percent. Lower than five percent. Uh, I it's I do think they spitefully saved his job. Spitefully, the but kids were like, yeah, "F I think, you." I think the important thing here, though, is. If you've allowed yourself to get to the point with a coach where the next time you lose, you're firing him, just fire him. I'm with you. I just don't think they do it. I would do it right now. I think it's over. I think there's nothing Gerard Glenn can do to, to survive till 2023 as a New York Ranger coach. I'll have that on record. I'm on audio. I'm not sure he can do anything. I think Dolan smelled blood in the water. I think he was disappointed over the past couple of weeks. Emily Kaplan reported that... Uh, he was watching the drug Glant section very closely, obviously because drug Glant wasn't taking any accountability mm. for anything. For any, all those Rangers losses were some of the worst losses we've seen in this whole time of this podcast in a row. And uh, there was no, you know, I put this on me. I'm going to change this around. Just no, I thought we played hard tonight, and I just don't think that sits right with James Dolan. I think you and I have gotten to know James pretty well over the years through uh, our interactions with MSG and through just following him through all the decisions of the Knicks and the Rangers. And this is one of those times where I just don't think there's a way he gets out, no well, matter what. It sounded a lot. It sounded really Vigneault-y after Saturday. That's the, like his comments on Saturday were as close to AV as you're possibly going to get when AV was walking out the building being like, it's not my fault. I did everything I can. I have the right answers here, and we're just going in the wrong direction. It's like, all right, well, if you're going to be that tone deaf, enjoy it. I think two things saved Gerard Gallant tonight. <laughs> and they're two very on-brand things. One is the win. He, he, he's spitefully putting the kids with Mika Zibanejad and the kids injecting life into the New York Rangers. And then, you're right, we do know James Dolan. We know James Dolan tendencies. We know that James Dolan loves a good back page. The Mets signing Justin Verlander may have saved Gerard Gallant's job because there was nothing the Rangers could have done tonight to win the back page. Nothing. If the Rangers fired Gerard Gallant, it would be the small little blurb that says turn to page six 
and the headline is still about Verlander and Kate Upton. Like, there's absolutely nothing, not a fucking thing in this world that Dolan could have done to win that back page. Rangers could have won 14 nothing, and it still would be Verlander, Verlander, Verlander. So Dolan will wait until he can control the media narrative, the media cycle, and say he wanted to make a big dick swing and hire a Barry Trotz. He wants that Squirtle-looking motherfucker on the back page of every New York tabloid. He does look like Squirtle. <laughs> well, really you got to wait until the 24-hour news cycle breaks. So the only if the Yankees sign Judge tomorrow, guess who still has a job? Gerard Gallant. Like it's I think I, I hate that you're right. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I hate that you are We we know this. him. He wants to he wants to make a big show of it. This is what he does. He wants to do it while nothing else is happening. Well, his plan got interrupted on uh Monday by the Mets and we'll see if he's got another chance on on Tuesday, but I I if if New York baseball news breaks tomorrow, Gerard Gallant will have a job. And if it doesn't, I think we're going to have a uh, transition. Hmm. Speaking of which, let's get to five-star questions. Mm. And uh, then we'll get to our interview with Shayna, which is recorded before the Blues game. You'll hear the tone. Uh, but a lot of the topics are still apt. So uh, this is from Keith. Hoping to lighten the mood with a different subject. Keandre is my favorite player, and I want to ask for his jersey for Xmas but scared they won't sign him long-term. Is there a scenario where Key is the odd man out in the upcoming cap constraint? There is a scenario, but I will tell you it is very low. It's very low. What's the scenario? Talk me through it, because I don't think there's a scenario. The scenario is that he demands a higher salary, or hockey players don't do this, right? You just take the bridge. So if you're saying long-term, I I can't guarantee guarantee you. I can guarantee he's going to take a two-year deal. I, I, he might even take a three-year deal, similar to Ryan Lindgren. Could you see him taking a 3x3? I could. Something like I think that. There's a, there's a better chance of the world not being around in five years than Keandre Miller not being a Ranger in five years. That's a, listen, you should buy the jersey, Keith. That's a pretty strong statement. Also, why don't you ask for it for Hanukkah? It comes first this year. You get it earlier. Come on. This is from Nick. Nick D. What would you say is better for player development? Tanking to get a generational-level talent that could bolster the entire team or a first-round playoff exit that can be... Uh, could be even be asleep. I ask because we've seen Buffalo and Arizona as a perpetual lottery bait, and nothing changes for them. But we've also seen Toronto as a perpetual playoff team that has never had any success. I, I, I think it's there's no right answer here. It's not one or the other. First of all, you have to get the actual generational talent like Connor McDavid, and it's not like Connor McDavid has won all these cups. That just doesn't happen. There are certain guys like Sidney Crosby who also get the help around him where they also get two other first-round picks that also are superstars in Malkin and Flower at the time. And these these organizations are also well-run on top of that. So it's not just what's the better tanking maneuver. It's how do you tank correctly, and how do you take the assets you got from tanking and make the, the team the best possible. That's it. Yeah, I mean... It's tough because it's not like the Sabres have struck out on their picks... They nailed Eichel. They nailed Darlene. We haven't seen enough from Owen Power to say one way or another. Um, Arizona is more of a cautionary tale about what can go wrong when you're not quite bad enough to be the... Arizona is a cautionary tale of why like lottery systems actually don't quite work because teams just get lost in this just no man's land of we're really bad but not winning lotteries. So we're kind of picking 5th, 6th, and 7th. 
And here's the thing. You still need to be a really good, well-run organization in order to hit picks five, six, and seven. And the Coyotes, shockingly, are not a really well-run organization. But, but the Avalanche have developed and picked guys late, yep. and they've all hit. Yep. Guess who else has done this? Tampa Bay. Yep. They've they've done a great job de- drafting guys in the second, third, and fourth. De- Detroit has done a great job of taking swings on players earlier than we expected. Mo Sider was not supposed to be a top 10 pick when the, the Red Wings took him. And they, they took that swing and it fucking hit. It It's development is an organizational thing where like, it, it doesn't matter where you draft it's the guy, identify bottom. the player. Like it's the in Ra- every sport too, by the way. Yeah, it's not just the, hockey. The Rangers, again, we, we've said this before and it's worth repeating. There's no point in going back and redrafting either the Kako or the Lafreniere draft. If the Rangers took Lucas Raymond or Tim Stutzla instead of Kako or Lafreniere, they would have been laughed out the building and embarrassed. And by the way, it's not like, first of all, it's not like Lucas Raymond is lighting it up right now. But on top of that, how do we know that Lucas Raymond would have de- developed into what he is exactly, now? Exactly. It's it, like it, Steph it's, Curry, if he gets drafted by the Knicks, he might be out of the league in three now years. Now, hold on here, friend. All right? Okay, Why, sorry. What did the Knicks do to deserve that? Sorry, we already my apologies. Made, we made a crack at Julius Randle earlier. <laughs> now we're saying, remember that time you almost had Steph Curry? And here's the other thing. I, we got to get Knicks fans off the hook with that one. It's He shouldn't have it's even the gotten the seven. It's, it's the on the Wolves. They took yeah. Rubio and Johnny Flynn. All right? And we Johnny knew, Flynn, get that Andre, back. but not only did they take Rubio, they took Rubio knowing they want to get him for at least two years. And then they took Johnny Flynn. Syracuse has produced exactly one good basketball player. One. His name's Carmelo Anthony, and that's it. The rest of them fucking suck. Their second best player out of Syracuse is probably Hakeem fucking Warwick. Sit down, Syracuse. You're a bum. You killed the Big East. Jim Beheim's a fucking terrible coach. Everybody knows how to play against a fucking zone. Shut the fuck up. You're bad. Shout Fitz out just to Fitz. A, Fitz doesn't know why, but he just like stood up out of his chair. He was like, what just happened? <laughs> no, but like, he, he agrees. I know, I know. No human being agrees more. Um, i illegally obligated to say Joe Girard is a fine human being. And I, I'm not just saying that because I might work for the Glens Falls School District. But it's definitely <laughs> because I work for that school district now. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, the, what next was question. the question? Who cares? Uh, Brentley, next question. The Devils game was a mess, but it's interesting how Laugh got called for a roughing late in the third period in that game when he pulled the Delvers player helmet off in the same fashion he did against the Penguins in Game 7 before Mika's tying goal, where he wasn't called. Yeah, I mean, the refs are inconsistent, Brett. It's not a surprise here. Uh, David, this is from David. If Trubel is a GM, does he make Hayek the Shadow Glenn Sather? Most of the time he hasn't noticed, but he's always lurking in the team despite all logic. Not a bad theory, David. Mm. Don't hate it. Uh, I, don't see, I, don't, I don't see it. I, I get it. Uh, David, you asked two questions in a row, but that was another joke about Trocheck getting posts, so that's okay. This is from Jay White. Hey, guys, I'm coming. This, the upcoming schedule is pretty brutal. What needs to happen this week in order for you to feel good about this team? Shit. Uh, boy, Winnie's tonight didn't, like, it felt amazing. But when you really look Again, at it, it didn't it feel bad. amazing. I think you're, I think you're a little mental for thinking that game. Felt oh, amazing. I, I'm just in withdrawal. That's that's it. With what now? Withdrawal. 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 I can't say draw. I can't say draw. Like I, it's my accent from Long Island. I don't know why. So you just with, can't say that word. Yeah, with withdraw. Okay. Withdraw. Withdrawal. Okay. Withdrawal. The what you were saying was not a word. Withdrawal. That's okay. not a word. <laughs> okay. That was like me as a child saying fourteen twice because I couldn't say thirteen. Yeah, like you're just 
Just find a different word. Just say I was having. I was withdrawing. I had the itch. I was itching. There you go. There you so, go. Thank God. We, Jesus we, Christ! We, you're you're paid to speak for a living. I am twice, by the way, here and other places. Well, I am hoping your company never has to pull out of an agreement in which it needs to be described that they withdrew from that agreement with said company. I just say I had the itch. Totally <laughs> I had the itch to get away from me. Um, uh, I, I don't know what this team needs to do. I, I can't. They can't even reel off like three in a row because even then, I'm not sure they have to look dominant, and I don't think they can do that. Well, here's here's first of all, again, I think you're fucking crazy for thinking that game. I'll be honest with you. I did not watch much of the third period. I just kept the wire on, and I put the Rangers on a smaller TV. And I'd look over and be like, oh, that's nice. Like I am pretty agnostic about the Rangers right now. I just, I just, I'm indifferent, which is I the worst thing a team could be. Can't say I blame you. Let me, <laughs> let, me, let me do an exercise here. Sure. I want you to pick the Eastern Conference teams that you think the New York Rangers are better than. Okay? Oh, my God. We're going to start this at... Is- this yeah. is terrifying. Yeah, it should be. Uh, the Boston, like, let's get the obvious ones out of the way. Are okay, better Bruins, than the no. Boston Bruins. No, no. Toronto Maple Leafs. No. Tampa Bay Lightning. No. New Jersey Devils. No. Carolina Hurricanes. No. New York Islanders. Yes. You think the Rangers are better than the Islanders? I think they are better. They're just not playing that way. Pittsburgh Penguins. No. Detroit Red Wings. Yes. Florida Panthers. Still yes. Better than the Florida Panthers. Yes. Still yes. Montreal Canadiens. Yes. Washington Capitals. Yes. Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Philadelphia Flyers. Yes. Yeah, we're Senators. Still, yes. We're yesing. And the Blue Jackets, yes. Of course. Okay. So you have the Rangers at best. You're like 50-50 eight. on the Islanders. Like eight, So nine. you would put the Rangers at best seventh in the Eastern Conference. At best seventh. That's correct. Boy. At best seventh. What a world we live in, sir. Um, best. <laughs> I think I disagree with you on the Islander front, too. I don't think the Islanders are capable of a streak the Rangers are currently on. I th- I, maybe the Rangers consistent. have a higher ceiling. Islanders have a much higher floor. And when push comes to shove, give me the team with the higher floor. Oh, God. I don't want to do that again. Solution 9 asks, Is anyone starting to think Ryan Strom was necessary to suck up all the bad luck and keep missing nets so other players can actually score goals? I have thought this. I, I've also thought that he was, like, the key to the power play for one night. And I tried to tell myself that that was a really dumb idea, but I keep thinking about chemistry and how he and Panarin really loved each other, and that is what was missing. But also, I'm stupid, and that's probably wrong. So there you go. I have no comment. Okay, just Jibsy. Do Laugh and Kako both make it to the end of the season on this team? I'm starting to feel like one of them gets moved. I I would be shocked and appalled if either got moved, especially with the way the Rangers' cap space is set up for the next couple of years. They need these cheap contracts in both these players. They need them to be cheap, and they need them to be productive. Moving them is such a silly, silly, silly exercise. Not just that. So the scenario in which the Rangers move one of them is in a blockbuster trade. And this team, quite frankly... Uh, shouldn't be making blockbuster trades. <laughs> they just don't have the money and they're not good enough, right? So, like, why would this team... I saw the Arthur Staple column where he's like, what about Kako in the first for Kane? And I was like, what about a fucking punch to the dick 
and a foot up my ass. I don't know. I think those things are pretty comparable right now. Because I was watching that Ranger game against the Chicago Blackhawks, and at no point did I think to myself, yeah, Patrick Kane will fix this. Unless he all of a sudden becomes a defenseman. I have no idea. Like, you wouldn't trade Kabukago for Jacob Chikrin? I probably wouldn't. I would trade I would trade for Jacob Chikrin. Yeah. yeah, of course. But you want to trade Kako for Jacob Chikrin. I just think your right wing position is so weak. And I think Kako has taken a lot of big steps forward this year. I know I'm sick of being like the expected goal guy or whatever. I don't care. But it's there. The full player is there. And if I can, I would get Chikrin any other way I could. Right wing is so weak on your team. You you can't trade him. You can't do it. My problem is I wouldn't trade them. My fear is not only do I think the Rangers would, but they're going to do it for offensive firepower, which they just don't need as badly as a defenseman. Just don't need they, it. They do not. Uh, Alien Mana Banana. Uh, what can this team actually do realistically with their cap space? They could trade for someone like Jacob Chikrin. They could pray. Very possible. Uh, they can wait till yeah. They can pray. They can wait till the deadline and have six million dollars. Maybe get like a a Timo. Maybe. I I don't I don't like the Timo rumors. I think that's pretty ridiculous. Because here's the thing: they can't afford him. Now after this year, he's an RFA after this year. They do need with to a massive uh, massive number attached to him. Alien Man of Banana, I want to speak to you because I do believe whatever they use with this cast space, they need to get someone they control for more than this year. I think that's really important. But, I think I honestly think it's never been more important for them to get a pure rental. You think they need to control the guy? Like a cheap asset. Like a cheap, talented asset, if possible. Okay, so now you really are just making players up that don't exist. I need to find the player first. That's correct. I This team cannot afford to bring... A, Unless it's a guy like Chikrin, in which case you've had to trade a guy that likely has a long-term obligation coming up to get him. <laughs> yeah, and Kraftsoff and Jones are not getting that done. No, buddy. Like they, no chance. What, you, you really want to bring in... It's all fine and good to say the Rangers need to bring in a guy they can control when they can't keep the guy that they can control. This is a pure rental season, buddy. They All their money is tied up for the next few years either in long-term deals or the long-term deals they're about to give out. And you want to add a variable, even with the salary cap potentially going up by as much as $4 million. You want to add a variable that the New York Rangers quite possibly can't afford? That's just terrible planning. Oh, that's why you sign up players to seven-year deals. That's what, I, what you do. Also terrible planning. Agreed. Uh, this is from Eric. At what point did we start discussing how much the Rangers run to the Eastern Conference final last season was something that Quinn had set up. Wow. Set up with the time, with the team before he left, and how much was actually Gallant? No, Good. I don't buy that. I, I don't buy it either. It doesn't give Jury enough credit for the moves he made last year and to he really did, solidify he, this team. Uh, very much. Uh, Eric, I, I don't want to throw him under the bus. He later says it. Uh, he'd be thinking it was 60-40 Quinn, but then later he goes on second thought. It was probably 30-30 Quinn and Gallant, and then 40% Igor just being absolutely Oh, I amazing. think it's 70-30 Igor. Yeah. Yeah. I think, honestly, if you wanted a realistic breakdown, it's 50% Igor, 20% Drury, 20% Gallant, 10% Quinn. Uh, there's a couple more questions, but we're going to take one more here, and then we're going to end the show. Blue Gooner, does it seem like this team is mentally and emotionally spiraling? I feel like the soul's been sucked out of it from the point of becoming unwatchable. Somehow this, team's like, this team is like fecal stew, compromised of quality ingredients and Libor. Uh, time to start blaming the chef. I think, yeah, we've gotten to that point, sir. And 
I would say before Chris Kreider scored tonight in the shorty, they looked lifeless. Even when Jacob Truba um, tried to rile them up, and he like I think he literally, the quote was, wake the fuck up after he laid a hit and fought for the second night in a row. He fought for a third night tonight, by the way. Uh, the team just didn't respond. And that's not a criticism on Truba or the captaincy or whatever. I'm not doing that right now. What I am saying is that the, the whole team wasn't responding until they found a way to win a game. And even then, it does seem like something's off. Something's wrong. And I don't know what it is. Well, how many times have we come on the show and has said the Rangers played well, figured they had a team beat, and took their foot off the gas? Like we've, I think we've said that phrase more than any other phrase so far this year. Um, and to Truba's credit, he's the one guy every night I can say looks like he gives a shit. I mean, for large swaths of tonight's game, the whole lot of players didn't look like they really gave a shit, Ryan. And it, there were there were there were eighteen Goodrow, of them on the ice against the Goodrow Black got on caught. Saturday. Puck watching really hard. Kreider yeah. got puck watching as well. Outside uh, of Truba, every other player that took the ice for the New York Rangers on Saturday sure looked like they'd rather be taking a shit than playing a hockey game. And then you know what they did? Dropped their pants, shit right on the ice. And they lost five to two. They, it's a team. Some of it, I we way back when in the way back machine, we would come on this show and bitch and moan about the amount of times David Quinn. And his New York Rangers would allow a goal to be scored in the first three minutes. And we'd say, that's on the coaching staff. You have to get your players prepared for puck drop. If you're not getting your players prepared for puck drop, what the fuck are you doing? Now, it doesn't excuse the players who give up the goal. They have made mental mistakes and they have not executed. And that results in a goal. Absolutely. It is not a one-way street with blame. But blame has to fall on the coaching staff. And when a team constantly... Looks like the better team. Gets an early lead and then takes a nap. Yes, it's on the players. It's also on the coaching staff. Because the coaching staff is not doing a fucking thing to correct the behavior. There is nothing being done to fix the problem. It's just like, they're good players, they'll figure it out. That's not coaching. That's not parenting. That's barely even babysitting. Which apparently I needed to do today. I needed a fucking babysitter. With yeah, you did. With that being said, let's get to our dear friend Shana. We have a forty-minute conversation with her. Talk a lot about the Rangers. Surprise. Um, we'll be back later this week. We'll see if. Uh, well, actually, fuck. It's not the end of the show. The end of the show is later. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Shana. Transition. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me what inspires your music. And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Hey, we're back with the most recurring guest ever, I think, Shayna Goldman, resident expert and keeper of the public stats. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, well, that's a lie. I suck. And so do the Rangers. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I, I just remember some time ago, I don't know, what was it? When was opening night? Like October 11th? Rangers are the best team in the league. Handling business. Man, I can't believe they look this good. And everything has gone fire. Like, uh, on that dog in the room that's on fire, and this is fine. That's where I'm at, Shana. That that seems like a good place to be. I mean, not a good – I'm sorry. That's not a good place to be, but that sounds like the right place to be based on how things have gone. 
Oh, it's a shit show. First of all, uh, they can't. <laughs> I, 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 there's something sickening. We're recording this at six fourteen on a Monday night. Um, there's something sickening about losing to the Blackhawks, who had lost eight in a row, and then they go to the, play the Islanders, and the Islanders just make quick and easy work of them. It's like, oh, okay. Um, so we can't beat the Ducks. Uh, can't beat the Blackhawks. Teams like the team is a little bit lifeless, and the power play that was vaunted and just extremely dangerous last year looks like um. It lost its teeth. It's been declawed. Where do we even start with that? I, I know uh, the public stats have said nice things about <laughs> the, have said nice things about the power play still, but yet they are not converting. What are you seeing as to what the changes have been? Yeah, so the the public stats, and I would assume the private stats, as someone who has seen private stats before, can can confirm that private stats look even better with good passing plays, which the Rangers have when you have Artemi Panarin on the power play. You have nifty passing that's going to make your shots even more dangerous. So I can see the argument for the private stats probably making things more dangerous. Making the numbers look... Mm. I could see the private stats uh, making it seem like, you know, things are even better than we're seeing publicly right now. But, like, the biggest thing was, for the first month of the season, the story was the same really at even strength and on the power play, which was the Rangers are doing the right things, but they're not getting the lucky bounces. The Rangers are doing everything that they need to do and should be scoring more. Generally speaking, when that happens, you know, it could be the team shooting percentage is low or you're just, you know, operating below expectations and what goes down tends to come up and vice versa. It tends to regulate. If you're doing the right things and you consistently do the right things, you should get results. And sometimes, yes, you can get stagnant. Everybody knows this is the same strategy you're going to take every single game. It might be everybody knows that Artemi Panarin's going to get the puck. He's going to try for a Royal Road pass to Mika Zibanejad, who's going to shoot a one-timer, and Chris Kreider's in front to clean it up. And you can game plan for that. So, you know, in ways you can't keep trying the same thing and hoping that you get the bounces because other teams can strategize for it. And special teams of all things teams can strategize for because there's only so many systems, only so many strategies. And that's the one situation where the Rangers tend to use the same exact five players in the same exact formation every single game. So it does seem like one, teams are into the Rangers game plan a bit. You can see certain penalty killers cheating towards the banner judge to try to take that shot away. And two, you can see that there's more than just the numbers to it. Like it has to be tough to be on the ice and not get the results and not get the bounces. Then it's frustrating and you lose confidence and you might grip your stick a little bit tighter and all of that. Those things have to be taken into consideration as well. Yeah. I, we, we said on this show, I couldn't remember. I think it was OT. Um, My working theory is as ridiculous as it sounds and as jarring as Ryan reacted to it the first time I brought it up to me, the way you change the recipe on power play one is actually taking Mika off of it because it feels like the five guys on the ice understand they are struggling. They understand it's not clicking. So it feels like they are funneling more and more and more to the one thing that worked more than anything else, which was a Mika clapper from the left circle. And they're going to keep doing that. And they're going to keep trying to look for the perfect pass as opposed to just any pass and keep looking for the perfect shot as opposed to just any shot. And if you want to disrupt that and change everybody's mindset and change the goal of what the power play is doing to me, the only way to do that is to move Mika to power play too. That's it. That's bold. Okay. I like this idea of trying to get the Rangers to learn how to function on the power play with that Savannah Jad shot. I absolutely positively think you're right, but I don't know if I would necessarily do that in a game setting. Maybe just in practice, I would say you don't get Savannah Jad for practice on the power play. Savannah Jad can play 
his position perfectly. He really doesn't need to change a thing, right? Like, it's not about him. It's about the rest of the team. So I would say, in practice, take him off the unit, throw someone else on there and say, that shot is no longer an option. Figure it out. Start making upset plays for every single thing out. Put a Conan's advantage at spot if you have to. Or something that can, you know, one of those, um, like the piece of equipment that can bounce a pass off it if it, if it gets it. Something like that that you literally have to function without him and see if you can get something going that way. And maybe it's going to force... Um, Panarin to shoot the puck a little bit more or maybe it's going to see if more can come from the slot because that's such an important role you know that bumper position and I don't think that they're utilizing it enough it's more so now with Trocek than it was you know with Strom there but it's not the heights it was when Zibanejad played that before he went to the circle how do we <clears throat> this might sound stupid how do we get the kids on power play one and is it worth it even experimenting with that when power play one has been so successful in the past so you could look at it and say, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. Below the surface, they're doing the right things. Don't fix it. The results will come. But there is a good argument to it, especially in the, why don't we bring someone left-handed onto this? Because I think handedness is something important. It's, you know, that can determine how quick a shot can be taken based on where the pass is coming from. And, you know, with Zibanejad, it tends to be the shots coming from the left and the pass is coming from the right. So if they have someone who can accept the pass a little bit better from right to left, you know, maybe that makes it a little bit easier. So... If they tried someone that's left-handed in the bumper position, that's a little bit interesting. Maybe if they tried putting Zibanejad back in the bumper just to mix it up and, you know, Panarin back in the left circle, which we know works, and then go with the left-handed chop from the right. Those are different things to tweak, and it's something like we had talked about so much when it was Strom in that position. Why not get a left-handed shot on the right side instead of him? The conversation can still be the same, and it's not really a knock on Vinny Trocek or anything like that, but it's just trying to bring in a little bit more variety because... Handedness does matter. You know, some coaches don't care about that. A lot of coaches do. We know the Rangers do. It's based on, like, how they have their defense pairs. We know that they care about handedness. They care about it so much that they won't play Lafreniere in the right wing, period. Right. So we know that handedness, especially on the power play, is so important. And sometimes, you know, it's about positioning players on their off wing. And the concern is, well, they're going to be worse defensively. But on the power play, you don't really need to worry about that. That's It's the one time of the game you don't need to worry about that. As long as you can keep control of play and you're frequently getting that player shots, you want them off on their off wing because they have a better shooting angle. So if that's why Zibanejad works on the left, he's a right-handed shot. So if you can figure out some way to add a left-handed shot from either the center outside of Kreider, because he's the only lefty on the power play or on the right, it's something interesting. So that's why I think a player like Lafreniere or Kako could be interesting. And I would honestly lean Lafreniere right now and try to see how he handles playing the middle. Like, why not? Because you have to be someone who can dish the puck. You have to be someone who can shoot the puck. He can do both. He has the hand-eye coordination for tips and deflections and rebounds and things like that. So it's like, a you know, a, another threat behind Kreider. So I know we've we've already made a couple jokes at the expense of public stats versus the Rangers' fancy-schmancy private stats. Uh, instead of making the joke for the 700th time, I have a different way I want to approach it. Should we, the three of us, be concerned that while the public numbers said Capococco on that top line was magic with Kreider and Zibanejad, should we be concerned that the Rangers think Capococco sucks? Because I can't think of another reason for not putting him back on that top line. No, what I think the problem, I don't think the problem's the data. The data, okay, teams tend to source their data from private companies. So a company like Stathlete, SportLogic, Hockey Data, something like that, and they take that and you're going to get, let's say, 4,000 lines a game versus the NHL sheet that's going to give you hundreds. You're going to get thousands of data points to work with. And then they take those 
inputs and they build models on top of them. That's what most teams do. I don't want to generalize too much because everyone is a little bit different, but that's like the tendency. And then you can get more insightful data because you your source in the first place is giving you more information. And sometimes there's their own methods of tracking as well. So there's so much information. Having that is one piece of the puzzle. And honestly, it's not even the biggest piece of the puzzle. The biggest piece of the puzzle is is understanding the data, is having someone who can break it down, can communicate it. And then it's having those in decision-making positions who want to listen to it. So I don't think the question here is, does the private data say that Capo Caco is worse than the public data says? It's, is it being taken in stride? Is it being taken into consideration? And obviously data is not the end-all be-all. It's not the only thing that should ever be forcing a decision. And here I am, a nerd saying it, right? It is not that alone. There are vibes to consider. There's chemistry. There's what you're seeing on the ice. There's all these other factors. But if something is so blatant and so strong and the team is struggling, it's something that you should be looking at and taking into consideration. So I don't think the data is the problem here. I think it's whether or not the data is being used at all in a productive way to help make better decisions. So I'm going to talk about data that I know, which is in the post uh, exit Tampa Bay Lightning playoff series, uh, exit interviews, Lafreniere and Kako both extremely stated very clearly that they wanted to be top six players next year. And at the beginning of the season, Chris Drury and Gallant both mentioned that they would be top six players. They started out with as top six players. The Rangers started out in, I believe, um, rather good form with some bad luck. No, no doubt there. And since then have been dropped down to the third line and the last game had their lowest time on ice. And I hate to be the time on ice guy, but I'm going to be just for a second to prove a point. Lowest time on ice of the season for both of them. Um, not really playing the way they want to. I understand they're streaky and I understand they have to force it. That that does come. But you can also see that they look a little bit unmotivated, a little lifeless. So does the rest of the team, but especially those two. And I do wonder if it's like, these are <clears throat> these are the Rangers' two most important assets outside of Igor Shesterkin and Adam Fox long term. I think we can all agree on that. It's no surprise there. It, they could be Ranger players for the next 10 years or longer. But if I'm one of them too, thinking I've just been dropped to the third line for the millionth time in my four to three years here. Uh, I know I haven't scored a ton of points. I know I haven't done a lot of things, but I was promised a chance at this and I got nine games, 10 games. Um, where do you think their heads are at right now? Because me personally, uh, I could see why they'd be frustrated on top of all the losing as well. Yeah, I can see their confidence being very high when everything, it doesn't take an idiot to look at the Rangers moves last summer and see that they moved out a very good top six right winger and say, that's going to be replaced internally by one of Lafreniere, Kako, or Kravtsov. Anybody could figure that out, right? Like, we, we all know that's what, that is what, at the end of the day, on the ice, they cut cap, sure, sure, sure. But on the ice, the repercussions were going to be that one of those players was going to get an elevated role at minimum, and whoever moved up, there'd be a ripple effect to open up more spots for these players. They weren't ready come the playoffs. They brought in replacements. They brought in three players instead of Kraftsoff, Lafreniere, and Kako to play top six minutes. Well, for the most part, two to play top six minutes, one to bolster the bottom six. Those players all walked as free agents. They didn't replace them because the replacements are the internal options. If you're one of those players, you have to know looking at it, this is my opportunity. This is my shot. I didn't take it last year. I didn't get to run with it enough. And that's okay. Development's not a straight line. It's not completely linear. We know this, right? Like, it's not a perfect... The spots are there. It doesn't mean a player's going to run with it. It doesn't mean that they're even going to get the perfect opportunity. And you could say both are true for last year. 
um, after the playoffs, you have to think if you're the player, like, I'm going to build on this next year. I'm going to be a top six player. And then it doesn't work out. That has to feel like shit mentally. It has to be weighing on your game. It has to be, you know, a confidence issue. And, you know, those could be confidence issues that they already had from David Quinn's tenure when if they screwed up, their minutes got, you know, shortened. They, they spent more time on the bench. So it just feels like, you know, another cycle continuing when everything is saying these spots are there for you to get them and take them and run with them and you're not getting a real opportunity to do it. It's got a way on you. Defensively, Shayna, um, are we at a point where we just have to go, let's make the best of what we got because we can't do anything? Because it feels like we're at that point. Defensively, it's not great. Um, you know, it's funny because Hayek had probably his most memorable first period against and, Ottawa and, Friday. Ever. Put it in the rafters. Just like we have a – there's there are two different uh, – there's a Harry Styles ra- the rafter. There's a fucking fish rafter. Billy, Billy Joel. Joel has two. Why, why can't we put a rafter up for – Lieber Hayek played a great first period in Ottawa. And like just put the date. 2022-23. Just call it a day. I think it deserves to be up there. The Rangers, the it pisses me off so much. I haven't. I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast. I notice it every time I go to the Garden. Nothing in God's green earth pisses me off more than the fact that the Rangers have multiple banners honoring the exact same fucking season. Like they they have one that says 1993-94 Stanley Cup champion. We also won the Eastern Conference and the Patrick Division. Motherfucker, you just get one banner. Just say the one thing you did. <laughs> I don't care that you won the division. I understand you won the East. You won the whole fucking thing. Just have the one banner that says the thing you won. The biggest thing you won. That'd be like the Mets just putting up banners to be like, 2007, we had first place for a while, and then we didn't. Like, what? eliminate some of these banners. It it, it fucking pisses me off. It's it's just so fucking annoying. I think you have to win more Stanley Cups and win more things to eliminate the smaller banners. And until then, they're like, we don't want to look too thin up here. But, like, the banners across the aisle are the Knicks. You got more than them. You're doing fine. <laughs> like, Jesus. Not only do we have the same number retired three different times, but we have banners honoring the same season for things they, like, accomplishments that were trumped by other accomplishments. Like, just get your shit together, Rangers. This Point isn't being- that hard. Point anyway. being, Shayna, Lieber Hayek and the defense. What's going wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well, Hayek, unfortunately, doesn't get a banner because, you know, after a strong first period with standout plays, he didn't have a good night. And this is the thing, like, this is why the numbers and the eye test have to be used in tandem because we are all incredibly biased that when we think about Friday night's game and we think about Hayek this season, we're thinking about these huge plays he made and they shouldn't be forgotten about and they shouldn't be, you know, diminished but they were two plays. He played another 12 and a half minutes of five on five. And in those minutes, shot attempts were three for the Rangers, 10 for the Senators. That's a problem. Actual shots on goal were one for the Rangers, three for the Senators. And scoring chances on time were two for the Rangers and six for the Senators. So I don't care how you slice it. That's not good. And a couple key plays aren't enough. That's why, you know, it's like the case of Neil Pionk. We always talked about him when he was a Ranger that it's like he's making these incredible plays, but the numbers aren't lining up. You have to find that middle ground. And for there, it's that he isn't great, but he earned more minutes that way. Sure, whatever. Great. He earned more of a role. The problem is now they have the way it was, you know, configured the last couple of games. They have a really weak link is that pair because Jacob Troop is not playing his best hockey and we know he's injured. And that's This is the problem with playing through injury because you have to have that conversation. Are you helping or are you hurting? And 
Shana, can I ask you a personal question not to cut you off? Yes. Let's say you were doing your job injured, right? Yeah. Uh, you're out there struggling. Just But you're trying to get the job done, support your teammates. Would you fight two back two guys back to back in two games in a row when you're injured to try and get the crowd going when you're down three? I don't. You tell me. Uh, if I felt like I'm playing poorly and I need to do legitimately anything I can to contribute, and right now playing hockey is not it, and I just need to like do something to get like a little bit of a pop, maybe. Okay. Because that would be like me being like, I'm going to go try to sell ads or something awkward that I know I'm going to fucking fail at. But at least I'm doing something to contribute. You know what I mean? Like, like we do like the podcast ads, too. And it's like, I'm not fucking reading those. I'm going to sound like an idiot. Like, I don't know what's going to buy shit from me. Like, I'm not going to. But if I knew, like, I said nothing on the podcast, I'd be like, OK, just give me one. So I feel like I did my job for the day. I let's listen. True. But I don't know what he's playing with. He won't tell us. I don't get it. But if I was nursing an injury that seems serious in some way, of which he's alluded to, I probably wouldn't get into two back-to-back fists. No problem. Counter, counterpoint. Counterpoint. Jacob Truba can't, or for whatever reason, won't be given a day off, whether he asks for one or not. So the only way he can get off his feet, by taking five-minute <laughs> no. major penalties. So in smart. ten minutes. That's, That's actually smart. smart. Great I, theory. I'm just saying, like, I, if there's a thing I could do at work to get out of doing some work because I'm too sick I, I too, would call someone a fucking asshole if it meant I got to stay home for a day. That's fair. That's fair. But, no, like, I mean, here's the thing in his case, though. Like, he's definitely not the one saying, like, I can't handle playing. He's going to go, like, I'm going to fucking battle through it. And if you're the coach, first of all, do you want your player battling through it in the beginning of November when, you know, we heard this at the – it was early to mid-November – if they if they continue to battle through it, they're never going to heal up. This isn't April. This isn't May. You're just going to drag it down with you. And when the results start to drag down, which they absolutely have, you have to look at it at a certain point and be like, no. So now, for whatever reason, the Rangers obviously split up Kendra Miller and Jacob Truba. So Miller can, you know, not be dragged down by Truba's play right now, which is what's happening, as comfortable as the two are together. You have a super weak link in that pairing together of Hayek and Truba as long as they keep them together. But it's like... There's only so many options because you do still want it that you can have Fox and Lindgren without breaking them apart because they're playing against top competition and they're crushing it. They're playing so well right now. You don't want to touch them. You want it that the Rangers have a reliable pair, but there's really only so many options otherwise if that's how you keep it. So like it's really tough. And, you know, defensive structure is something you can teach a player. You can't teach a player to have like innate offensive skills. Structure and systems are things you can implement and depending on how strict you are with them. And we know that's not the case in New York. We know that Gallant is not the X's and O's king, that he's, you know, working tactically with them constantly, tweaking, adjusting. That's opposite of what's gone on the last year, obviously. Like, you know, it's not like they're putting these players in a in a very careful position that they don't look exposed. It's, you know, like some some teams around the league, we see the systems, like, kind of outweighing everything. You could look at Roman Yossi in Nashville, his role is so specific. You know, he doesn't have to get to the dirty areas. He doesn't have to do the dirty dirty work because his partner is going to do all of that for him so he can get Yossi the puck and Yossi can go thrive. That's what works for them. For the Rangers, if they had maybe one more capable defenseman, maybe they could try to do that. Like, Trooper doesn't have to do X because we know he can't do it. We're going to keep his role very specific and let the rest kind of pick up the, the slack. But they don't have the options to do that right now. We've... We've said this on the show multiple times, and it's not just – it's something we said with Gorton when he had Quinn. It's something we said with Elaine Vino. It's easy to pile on the coach and always say the coach should do this, the coach should do that. At some point, though, you do have to pile on the guy who is not 
supplying, either not taking the toy away or not supplying the secondary option Absolutely. to the coach. So, like, it's very easy for us to say Gallant should be an adult and need to take Truba out of the lineup. And maybe Gallant feels that way. And then Gallant looks and is like, all I have is Lieber Hayek, who's doing better than I expected but isn't great, and a struggling Zach Jones, and I don't have the options in Hartford for me to replace Jacob Truba. So maybe in Gallant's eyes, his best option is injured, impaired Jacob Truba because that's better than Ben Harper. And he might be right, but that's that brings us back to things we've talked about for a very long time where sometimes the Rangers... They thought they had enough and just did while the forward depth. We finally feel good about forward depth, where if the Rangers are fully healthy, they can call a guy up that has some intrigue. They can add a spark plug to the lineup. We're confident in the nine skaters that make up the top nine. We can mix and match. We're getting real nitpicky about what Kako's doing, what Lafreniere is doing. But finally, we're confident the Rangers have at least nine, maybe ten, if you want to include Gauthier, skaters that can play in the top nine. Whereas on defense... We don't even have four right now. No. We have well, like three and a yeah. half. Three and a half. Uh, yeah. I, I think the thing is, if if that were the case, though, that would be one thing. I can't say I know for certain, but I would imagine my very educated guess on this from what I know of Glant from his previous 10 years, too, is that he's not looking at Truba and going, I have no choice but to play him. He's going, that's my captain who wants to play. Of course I'm going to play him. That's going to motivate the guys. That's He wants to play. He's a fucking warrior, and I want him in the lineup every night. And I think that's the difference. He's someone who can, you know, it was described to me when he got hired that he's someone that can optimize a lineup, but when he starts trying to evaluate talent is when you have a problem. Don't forget, players like Tenorti, those are players he handpicked that he wanted. Not necessarily, you know, it wasn't just with the Rangers. These are, you know, it's the Erica Bransons of the world he wanted in the past, too. Like, those are the players he does go towards. So, you know, that's the trouble of it. Um, and at a certain point, if you're GM, I assume you have to look at it and go, well, I'm going to give him someone he's actually going to use and isn't going to just waste time on the bench, too. Like, that's the other side of it. It depends how much you as a general manager want to involve yourself in the day-to-day and how much you want to overreach and go, I gave you this player. You're fucking playing him. It could, you know, it's the same thing with someone like Kravtsov. Like at a certain point, like it depends on the general manager who's going to be the one to step in and go, you're playing him. He's there for your top nine. There's no I, I, reason. I think that's what happened, Shana. That's my personal opinion. I, I have no source what, whatsoever, of course. But I think Drury really, really wanted Kravtsov back in the lineup a long time ago. And he sent the call down like, hey. Like you, you have a skilled player on the bench. Please use him. Right. Kravtsov's been fine. Like it's not like he's. It's the whole team sucks right now. It's not like Kravtsov's fault. Right. So, but let's say so. Let's say Chris Drury did that. Right. Let's say he did it with Kravtsov. You're gonna have to pick and choose your battles. You can't do it with every single player unless you want to micromanage your coach, which with a guy like Gallant is Gallant is not gonna fly. Like that's the thing. You can't then say I need you to take out Druba and I need you to play Zach Jones and I like. Any of those things, like it's not going to happen a million times. So that's the other challenge that at a certain point, you just have to start pulling back players and changing, having the extra body there, having the option of, okay, he'll be willing to use him. You know, like you have to find that middle ground too. And that's, that's kind of the breaks when this is who you hire. This is not a surprising thing though. I, I do think we need to talk a little bit about the elephant in the room. Now we're recording this. Before the Blues games, we need to make that perfectly clear. By the time you're listening to this, there's a very, there's at least a chance something would have happened news-wise. 
where Ryan and I have to do a little insert and tell you so-and-so isn't here anymore. We're not saying it's going to happen. We're just saying the rumor is now out there. Cousin Emily had the great report on ESPN before the weekend, and uh, Vince has been all over it from the jump, just giving his personal opinion about why he believes the seat is hot. I mean, even Larry put out like a tweet that was just absolutely murder. Yeah. Now, so, this, so I have a conspiracy theory I'd like to talk through with you guys a little bit that I didn't prep <laughs> you guys with before this podcast started. This is uh, where I thrive. Yeah. So we know MSG relieved their most recent senior VP of public relations, blah, 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 a highly paid employee they let go. We know MSG sphere is over budget, continues to be over budget. And the project is not wrapping up as quickly as they wanted it to. Now, James Dolan, I'd say conservatively, if he wanted to sell the Knicks, he could get $5 billion. If he wanted to sell the Rangers, he could probably get half that. So ideally, you have to say he's sitting on $7.5 billion of capital that he can leverage against at any time he wants. I'm not saying he can write blank checks with it, but that's the collateral he rolls with. So he is going to be able to find avenues of credit wherever the hell he goes. And that's great. Um, he was told before this season started with the Knicks and the Rangers two very specific storylines. The Knicks, he's being told, this is a team that should compete for a playoff, will definitely get in the play-in, but don't expect a long playoff run. Okay, great, he says. Now the Knicks have gotten off to a bit of a skittish start, but for the most part, they are still in line for a playing appearance. So while fans might be frustrated with how they are getting there, you have to say the Knicks are probably within 70% of their preseason goals. And then he was told with the Rangers, a team coming off an Eastern Conference final appearance, that not only were they going to make the playoffs, he could expect playoff paychecks again to cash and cash large. Because when the Knicks, when the Rangers are in the playoffs, that's big business for MSG. Huge. Huge. So you look at the Knicks, and fans are frustrated. You look at the Rangers, and nothing is going according to plan. Dolan is a man who will spend to correct. We've seen it everywhere. We saw it with Gordon. We saw it with Davidson. We saw it with Vino. We saw it with Quinn. If he thinks something is as solvable as getting rid of the coach, he's not afraid to do it. So, do we think... Dolan is now paying more attention to the Rangers because he's realizing he's got a lot of checks coming up and the big check he was promised by Chris Drury, that might not be coming into his office anymore. I don't think this is even a conspiracy theory. I think this is just the truth. Well, (laughs) I'm just, all I'm saying, Ryan, is I'm just saying. You're saying correctly, I think, that the Rangers and all James Dolan had to do was turn on one episode of our show for the entire summer. And know that, <laughs> which maybe he did. <laughs> hey, Jamie, what's up? Uh, oh, don't call him that. Sorry, my apologies. Hey, J- J- JD, in the straight shot? Okay. Uh, JD will turn tuned in. All he, ha- all he had to know was this team had had Stanley Cup aspirations. And they had a three-year window. It was until Igor Shosturkin's next contract where he was going to make a lot more money, seemingly, at the time. And still might, because he's, he's still Igor. I'm still not worried. Uh, that's, that's your window. And you know that. And that's why you sign a guy like Trocek and have the seven years so you can have a three-year window. I'm sure that's what Drury told 
James Dolan when he signed Trocheck. And I'm sure, by the way, I'm sure James Dolan was involved in the signing of Trocheck, as crazy as that sounds, even though the owner probably shouldn't be involved in some of those things, and he was. So when that when those things are when those things happen, when he goes and signs seven years to another thirty year old player, when you already signed up Mika Zabinajai, you say, okay, we're gonna make a cup run. And then how could you miss when your team just lost to the Blackhawks and the Ducks, two teams that just can't win? And not only that, Greg, I think this is a we've been doing this long enough to know there are periods and stretches of games that awaken the beast. Of James Dolan. And those that one of those periods is, unfortunately, a game I went to. It was the COVID game where they only opened up the stadium at MSG for like 800 people. It was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. And the Islanders absolutely shithoused the Rangers for nothing. Then the time Tom Wilson thing happens shortly before that. And the Rangers just continue to lose. And guess what? The, the, the letter comes out. JD and uh, Gordon have some things going on behind the scenes. And they're gone. And, the, and JD's uh, JD uh, rather James Dolan was involved. Now we're right back in that exact same situation again, where it's unavoidable and you cannot miss it. I do, and I think I think this time Patient X is the Oilers game, the the one uh, the Saturday afternoon game after Black Friday. That's a holiday weekend. That's a busier crowd. It's a larger crowd than the Rangers expect. It's a holiday crowd. And the Rangers- also. The Rangers don't, blow a three-goal lead in the third Don't period. discount this, Greg. That's probably a game where a lot of James Dolan's friends are in the building. Absolutely. It's a yeah. 1 o'clock game on a Saturday with Connor McDavid in the building. And the Rangers blew a three-goal lead in the fourth period. And I promise you, James Dolan... Fourth period? Of, whatever period it was. Trust me, the Rangers <laughs> lost. They fucking lost. So it don't matter to them. Greg was there. He knows. I, so, oh, boy. And I think the thing is, too, I think... That's your surface level. We looked at this Oilers game and then you dig a little deeper, which doesn't take much work. And you go, wait a second. By the time you're looking into this, right? It's Monday. You just blew another lead. Then you look at it and you go, wait a second. This team has trailed in the month of November alone by two or more goals four times to lose games. That's that's wild to have a two or more goal lead four separate times and blow it to lose the game. Then you could look at it and go, hey. They've only had, what, four or five regulation wins in the month of November? That's a problem. So that Oiler game could have been what kind of sparked, like, wait a second, there's a red flag here, and now if we take five seconds to look deeper, and you don't need to look far based on the way that they've been playing, you're like, there might be a problem here, and that's going to affect your bottom line. I'm, uh, I, I don't want to insult James Dolan, who's our number one fan. Uh, does, man doesn't strike me as a dig deeper kind of guy. He has I, people that dig deeper for him. Maybe yeah. you go, what the fuck is wrong with them? And then let I, those people do, go to work. I do think you couple a three goal blown lead in the third period with a two goal blown lead against the devils in the very next game. And then Dolan goes, wait, you're telling me those cheeky fucks are better than us this year. And they yep. just embarrassed me in my building with fans chanting, let's go devils in my building. That's the shit, James. When you put it in Jimmy's face, sorry, James. James, sorry. <laughs> that's on you. <laughs> James, when you put it in James's face, he goes, "What the fuck is this?" Like, I, I do think, I sometimes we, the three of us, the the Ranger Twitter, everybody tries to look deeper. I think James Dolan plays it pretty clear on the surface. There ain't, ain't nothing under the water there. That man, he gives it to you, and you understand what it is. And I think Patient X is the Oilers. Add in they fucked the bed against the Devils. Add in then that they got another home and bear. What have they lost? Four straight home games? Is that right? They've lost an MSG four straight times? 
I think it, so. In embarrassing fashion. Yes, mm-hmm. to, to two teams that Dolan expects to be better than, including a team that had lost eight straight. And they, I, it, I was in the building for the Blackhawks game. They were non-competitive from that the was, beginning. That was, it was funny. That was like below the surface, one of the Rangers' like best games when you look at like scoring chance share and expected goal share. I would also add in a loss that probably pissed everybody off was the one to the Islanders. Uh, you know that that was another blown lead. That one might have also been like, wait, <laughs> we can't be embarrassed by the Islanders. Then it's the Oilers, and then it's the Devils on top of it. Like it, those, if you know, if we're going purely surface level, like that, that's it right there. There's enough. He, he was sold level. a bill of goods that where it was like, hey, you're the team of the future. You got everything going for the next five years. It's Rangers land. Like, as sad as it is, I can't even remember the Islander game. Like I, I'm doing everything. I'm looking up at the schedule to see when that game happened. It was November eighth, and the thing was, so the Rangers when they blew the two goal, two or more goal leads against back to back against the Oilers and Devils. The funny thing was that was the second time they've done that in back to back games this season, and it was against Detroit at home, and then a day, you know, a game later against the Islanders at home. So it's like it, for whatever reason, it's coming in pairs when it happens like that but it's it's not a good look but we also like then they went on the west coast swing which is probably like more front of mind than the islanders and red wings before that i think if the i think dolan was asleep for the west coast he didn't know anything that happened out there that's just that's too late yeah he read he read the newspaper in the morning he got the report or whatever and that's kind of it when it's right in his face and the rangers are losing games and these these crowd with the crowds have been dead and again like I know the Rangers owned the shot share against the Blackhawks because they just weren't shooting the puck. Mm-hmm. At no point did I feel like the Rangers were threatening to come no. back into that game. No, at no either. point. I like that. I, I this is why I, I love to deserve the winometer. I love looking at the underlying numbers and all that. But there are times where you just have to take a step back and watch the game itself. Yep. And, they, and the Rangers, the, it's off. It's they, there's no life. There's no yep. pop. There's no nothing. And uh, you know, you're talking about games that they lost. Look at the upcoming schedule. Like, they're going to go on the road Brutal. after the St. Louis game, and they're going to go to Vegas and Colorado. After that, they're going to be back at home against the Devils again next Monday. That's I a do, game they I don't do have to lose. say, though, I respect Jack Eichel. He's out tonight. I think he's not going to play Wednesday. He knows where he wants to be, so he's just taking a quick <laughs> Yeah, he'll get sick of Vegas. But, no, like, you know, it's, they have the Devils again. They're going to have Toronto after that. And while it's not the same like if they were to lose to the Maple Leafs like that's one of the bigger media markets that isn't in your face kind of thing if to anything happens with Toronto that's going to be everywhere in the hockey world and then a week later they have the Islanders back at home so those are like the if anything's going to happen anything's going to change I have to imagine it's before that game against the Devils because the Rangers at no cost want to lose that to the Devils especially because when you look at it the Devils are the team that everyone's compared the rebuilds to it happened around the same time it was Hughes and Kako like there's a reason why. And then it's, you know, one has the first overall pick and the year later, here's the next vote, first overall pick. And, you know, it's the Truba contracts versus who the uh, the Devils bring in on defense, like Dougie Hamilton. Like, it's all things like that that add up and that obviously make them easy comparisons. Well, then they let their kids play. And I, they didn't have the talent in front of them to deny yeah. them. Like, it's like they didn't have an Artemi Panarin and Mika Zabinijad and all these players. Yeah, I no, understand was, that. Year two was playing, you know, year one, he didn't have better great line mates too because the quality of the team so he had that working against him when in new york you could say here kako you're gonna play with panarin for a minute you're gonna play with the manager huge difference. literally a minute though like literally literally minute. one minute don't go to 61 seconds and <laughs> get the fuck off the yeah, ice get the hell out of here but like with the devils too like with Hughes, the big difference is power play ice time and 
you know, there is a conversation of, do you have to earn the minutes? Do you have to earn that? But there's also the, I'm dealing with young players and want to boost their confidence. And if you want to boost a player's confidence, you want them to get, to get goals, to, to get points. And an easiest way to do that is to get them power play ice time, especially if it's on the top unit. And Jack Hughes, that's where some of the confidence came. He was getting, you know, really high power play minutes by year two. And you look at year three and you go, what a difference. It's all coming. Year two, it was everything's going right, but the results, he'll get there. Keep boosting his confidence. Keep giving him those opportunities. You look at year three and you go, different player. And now here we are in year four and it's, he's, we already saw that he's going to be a superstar last year. And now it's, he is a superstar, and he's getting better on his own. He has the confidence to say, you know what? I'm going to shoot the puck myself. Well, gonna... Lafreniere, I mean, it looks like... I, I hate to... You know, you hate to go back and look at tape from when Lafreniere or Kako were in juniors, and they were just game breakers. Mm-hmm. But it does seem like they lost that that confidence. And their skating, and I've said this forever, their skating just isn't up to par with the NHL. I think they've done a good job improving that over the years. They still have a long way to go. But there are other parts of their game that should have still allowed them to be game breakers. Yeah. And those just are not existent in some points. Yeah, that's I definitely agree with you there. Like and and a lot of it, a lot of it I think does boil down to confidence. If Lafreniere was getting these lucky bounces too, but let's say he was getting power play ice time, he's starting to collect points. And we saw that a bit last year when he was on the right side with Kreider and Zabanajad when, you know, he got taken off that line, then he got put back there and the points started coming, that line was clicking, he was getting a lot of assists. Like the difference in, you know, he had a jump in his step. So if he just suddenly got a couple power play points I think that's good for him. And I think that gives him the confidence to take the next step. Similar to Hughes of saying, I'm not just going to be a playmaker like with Hughes. He was like, I'm going to go take my own shots. I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive. I think Lafreniere could then go, I have the confidence in my own game to take a little bit more of a risk in this play and to go for it a little bit more instead of stopping here worrying, if I screw up, I'm not going to get minutes. Like, I think there's like a mentality behind that that we're just not seeing from him and from Kako. And it's because of everything from pre-Gallant to you know, the last year and a half. Also think about, you know, what what we all think about in our daily lives, money. Lafreniere is one of the least productive first overall picks ever in terms of points. And when you are that kind of player, you don't get the contract you wanted to get when you thought you were going to get and be like a lifetime NHLer. And he'll probably be a lifetime NHLer because that's just, well, there are first overall picks that bust out. And I, but I don't think Lafreniere is one of them. And when you're scoring or producing at this level, you're not getting the big contract. You can't, you're not Jason Robertson. Yep. You can't demand $11 million. Like that's not happening. Um, and he's, I, I don't even know if Lafreniere is going to get like a $2 million bridge. Like that's where he'll get a bridge, but it'll be like not what he wanted at all. Yeah. And that's, that's gotta be even more demeaning. Like, you know, it, there's a big opportunity for him the rest of the season, but he needs, he needs a chance to prove it. And I think, you know, obviously the, the hard part is the team makeup, right? Like there's only so much space on the left wing in the top six, but you know, it's stepping up and getting comfortable on the right and getting those opportunities or playing third line minutes and, you know, better distributing ice time. So he gets a better role and then giving him power play time plus third line minutes and something like that to kind of balance the scales a little bit. Like there's different ways to do this, to get him that opportunity that he can, you know, and the coach could sit there and go, he hasn't earned it. But if you're going to pick anybody to give that opportunity to, Shouldn't it be your third line, especially when the fourth line isn't very good? So if you want to pull minutes from anyone, you can pull it from them. I also do wonder, though, is like sometimes I wonder if Gallant's too much of a player coach where Gallant feels like he's doing right by Lafreniere by not playing him on his offhand when maybe a different coach would be like, hey, fuckhead, 
I need you on the right, so I'm playing you on the right, and you're going to get an opportunity, and you're going to be productive. Trust me on this. You'll be fine. And yeah. instead, in Gallant's mind, he's thinking, no, I'm protecting my player by bending, maybe not even bending to his wishes, just giving him something that makes him feel more comfortable and will maybe spark his play a little bit, where it's like, you know, sometimes adversity is a good thing. Make him make a play on his offhand. I, I, I will forever bitch about left wings not being able to play right wings, and people can call me simple-minded, stupid, whatever. Don't give a fuck. Alexi Lafreniere should be playing right wing for the New York Rangers. I don't care if he likes it. I don't care if Gallant likes it. It's just, it's this clear hole that the Rangers have, and they keep looking at it, and they go, hmm, what if Barclay Goodrow could fit in that hole? When it's just like the answer is this guy that you got, number one overall, that you could just, you know, bloop. Put him right there. Just a little, little, little boop right on the nose. How you find him? The only reason I would say he doesn't, the only way he doesn't belong there is if Kaku or Kraftsoff outplays him. But this is like the difference between the coaches who keep getting opportunities, the recycled coaches in the league, versus, say, the Marty St. Louis of the league. You look at what he's doing in Montreal and how he's working with players. Like, say, Josh Anderson. I know this is, you know, an example of it. He Larry Brooks Lurt. Yeah, there you go. He Sorry. looked at Josh Anderson and was like, this is how you've played your game the, your entire life. We're changing that. We're going to change what you're doing. I have an idea for you, and this is something. We're going to make an adjustment to your game, and we're going to tweak it. And I think you're going to be 10 times the player if you do this. And those are the things that we're not seeing. And I get the comfort, and we're protecting them. But a, another, a fresher voice, a little bit more innovation in coaching is really important because I think you can have these different ideas. And that's why, too, like having good skills coaches is really valuable and having good skating coaches. And I think those are things that would benefit the team right now. I think there's a handful of players like Sammy Blay who would probably be 10 times the player he is if he had a really good skating coach to help him rebuild the muscle that he lost from not playing. Like these are the things that they're missing a little bit that can help these players actually hit their ceilings and that is on the current coaching staff and it's on management. This is the team you're betting on. Then you need to find a way to get them to be the best that they can be. And you're not doing it and you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing your players a disservice. Shana, thank you so much for coming on. Anything else we want to talk to Shana about, Greg? Yeah, I got to ask, how's Rich doing? I yeah, what's up with Rich? Had a bit hard week. <laughs> God, he is. Um, my my be- Our best friend is an Islander fan. And uh, when they were playing the Ducks, Rich immediately went like, oh, they're going to lose. And our Islander fan friend, we had plans afterwards. And he's sitting there. He's going, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm rooting for the Rangers because I don't want to deal with him after this. <laughs> and the Rangers lose. And Rich is sulking. And we're like playing music. And we're trying to get him to like dance. And we're like, okay, have a good time. And it was like not working. So now like all these games were sitting there. The Blackhawks game, like we're going to go decorate a tree afterwards. Like, I'm like <laughs> I, I went running around in the rain all day. Then I'm like, I swear if he's in a visual mood after this game, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm like, <laughs> I, I fuck him. It's about me now. But like, it's, it's like, how does it affect the Leafs? I'm the Leafs. But like, it's, he is, uh, he is in one. He's very... He just wants to see a change. He wants he wants to enjoy himself watching sports. He said he wasn't going to care after uh, the Wednesday, Wednesday's game. He said he wasn't going to care anymore. That's what he yeah, decided. Yeah, me too. He was going to be blissfully <laughs> unaware. And he still was, yeah. I saw him like peeking at the game because he was watching wrestling. And then Friday we went out during the game and it happened to be on at the bowling alley. And he cared. It yeah. ruined his night. So I'm like, so- I, you know what? I do feel for Rich because his Friday was like my Friday. I informed where... him of DeGrom. We got to the bowling alley two seconds in and I yep. told him about so that. So he yeah. has to deal with DeGrom and that blown loss. Then Saturday, the Rangers look like absolute piss against the Blackhawks. And then Sunday, 
the Jets found a way not to win. Yep. That literally just seemed personal. Yep. To just it's like <laughs> it's like the Jets looked at everything and went, All right, most of our fans are also Met fans, and a large majority of them are also Ranger fans. What can we do to not just take a shit on them, but have the shit come out on fire and yep. possibly explosive? Didn't even mention the United States. That's how bad it was. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think right. he cursed. But I, honestly, like he's barely been watching the World Cup because he works during the day and can't like can't watch it while he works. So it's been me and one of our friends watching it, and he like comes home to the like two of us watching it, or the two of us are sitting there texting about it, and like Rich is kind of like we just let him know what happens. And the USA game, he actually was watching with me too, and I was like sitting there, and all of a sudden I'm like, "Are you the problem?" Are you the reason is, everyone's is it you? Like, is, is it you? <laughs> like, I, like, they were doing fine, and it's the one fucking game you watch. Maybe you shouldn't be. But no, uh, you know, I think I think he's a little bit cursed right now. Uh, yeah. He quit wearing Ranger stuff for a couple of days, but oh, now no. he's back. He's, ba- I, uh, he's wearing a t-shirt now. If it's not Rich's fault, it might be mine. Uh, Saturday, other things that happened to me on Saturday before the Rangers lost, I bet the USA to advance, and I said to myself, well, if they don't advance – there probably won't be more than three goals scored in this game, so I'll also bet the under. Um, so not only did they not advance, they lost the four goals were scored. I lose that. I had money on TCU to win, and uh, they got stopped on third and goal and fourth and goal from the one in overtime to lose. Uh, and I also bet LSU minus 17 and a half. They were down 35 to 7 at halftime. Greg. Oh um, so, <laughs> so I got to say, if it ain't rich. It might be me. And then some sage. And then Jaina, today, all I did, all I fucking did, and I know Ryan and I probably talked about this before, I just sent out a tweet that was like, do I have to call a babysitter to go see a fucking movie? Mets? Rangers? Can I have two moments of peace? And they're both like, how about fuck you? Here's Verlander. And I'm like, God damn it! <laughs> I just wanted to turn my phone off. That's all I wanted to do. You're cursed. I hate Get it. sage, what? throw some salt over your shoulder. Spin around in a circle, spit and curse. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I broke, I'm going to just break mirrors to see if that helps. <laughs> Shanna, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to end the podcast now. Um, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at, oh, you want to plug anything? Read you everywhere? Uh, yeah, you can read me at The Athletic. I have things coming out this week. Like, who are the best defensive pairs? And I'm writing something about the Toronto Maple Leafs and Jason Robertson in the whole conversation. Yeah. So Jacob Truba's where on that article? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should Control do the F? worst pairs. I can't, Maybe can't I should do the worst pairs next week. Oh, man. Be nice to Trubas. He's trying. Good Good times. Uh, <laughs> you, you can follow Shana, of course. You can follow me at O'Reilly. You can follow Greg at Blue Break. We'll be back with BSBOT later this week. Should be, or maybe sooner. Stay tuned. Should be should, should be a fun one. Oh, yeah, hold on. Uh, oh. Wait, we're also Wednesday night. Shane, are you free Wednesday night for late night? Want to come hang and watch uh, Rangers Vike, uh, Vegas with us for one of the periods? I might. Let me. Cool. I, will, I will ask Rich if people are coming here for wrestling and if they're going to be very loud. Well, it's a 10 o'clock game, so wrestling will probably be over by the time you pop on. You're, act, you're acting like I can get everyone out at 10 o'clock. Yeah, you're, you're, you run your dojo however you want. But Ryan wasn't plugging it. We're doing a playback watch live stream on I'll plug it in the beginning Wednesday. as well. Well, fuck intro. you, man. You were plugging it now. So I, yeah. Okay, well, all right, cool. Well, speaking of, yeah, fucking off, we'll be back. See you guys at the playback on Wednesday or sooner or BSBOT or one of them. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, it's the end of the show. So you know what to do now, I think, in very poor fashion, a lot of our... NHL Insiders Clubs, of which I want to brag for a second. Very cool place. But also, some scoops just coming out this today that we've had since August. 
pretty good, pretty great job, guys. Thanks so much. Without further ado, I want to thank the people why we do this. The NHL Insiders Club, Offer Sheet Club, etc. And I'm going to read their names in order now and do a terrible job at it. So without further ado. I keep saying without further ado at the end of these shows and I don't know why. It's killing me. It's a brain fart. I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to pause and we're going to say the names. Okay, Adam Cassidy, Adam, Co- Adam Cohen, off to a hot start. Adam Curtulo, Adam Linder, Adam Keach. Cheech? Did you change your name? There's no way. Was it always spelled this way? <laughs> Alex, I can't read. Alex Flynn, Alex Carter, Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Ritzel, Brandon Lackless, Brandon Magnum, Brett Granger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Chris Finelli, Chris Howard, CJ Stelwin, Connor Budemich, Daniel Zazen, David Anaridan, David Siegel, Dennis Dites, Darian, Eric Stagg, Garrett Reynas, Kip Gardner, Cup, Garrett Gressick, Gretzky, Gareth McFly, Harrison Hasco, Hippip89, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, James Masker, Jerry and Marquez, JD, John Jacques, Franquez, Jean Jean, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, Jean Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestebaum, Justin Freeman, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, Lazik Gronowski, messed that up, Matthew Kine, Meatball the Cat, Mike Bucklaw, Nate Hanafi. Hanafi? Hanafi. Hanafi. It's definitely Hanafi. That's the one. I got that. Neil Grover, <laughs> Nicholas DiNicola, Pascal Perrier, Pavel Kodorev, I, Pavel, I said your name terribly there. Pavel Kodorev, Pro World's Next Gamer, Randy Tesser, Ryan hasn't watched Miracle. <laughs> you fuck. <laughs> I can't believe you changed your name. Sean Ta- I haven't watched Miracle. Yes, I know. I'm going to take a lot of shit for this. I will watch it soon. I promise. I know it's a good movie. I know. Stop yelling at your radio, iPod, iPad, everything. Sean Taggart, Stigbull Box, Weingart, Thomas Wells, Tommy Seclair, Tom Rich Jr., Tommy O'Neill, Tory from Manhattan, Upstate, Vin, Vinny Hay, Will Spector, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Weird, 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 weird week for the New York Rangers. Um, and it does feel like kind of a turning of tides. Talked a lot about it on this show with Gallant and Dolan. And boy, I haven't felt this bad about the Rangers in a long time. I said it this weekend, but one thing that I just reminds me of, I think the saddest I was since we started this show was when Eric Carlson beat us on one foot and we lost in game six. Went to a couple of those games, and it just felt like the end of an era. Just, there's no other chance. Like, that was our window. If we just made it through right there, I know we had a long run. Tampa Lightning, Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, not Chicago Blackhawks, Jesus Christ, the Kings. And just two years there where it's just going deep into the playoffs, Core strong, can't get there. We lost to Ottawa. I knew it was over. Greg and I, like, maybe we fought that day. We fought all the time back then. Not anymore. We're best friends now. Don't tell him I said that. And at that point in time, I just remember, like, sitting in that darkness, being like, there's just no hope. There's not no hope for this team. It just feels similar, where it's like, I don't know what's next. What's going on now? Where do we head from here? Because financially, you're locked into six players big time. The kids... Not doing what they're supposed to. Adam Fox, absolute legend. No doubt about it. Jacob Truba, boy. That's been it's been hard. It's been tough. So where do you go? What do you do? How's Igor? And that's kind of where I'm at. I, I, I need answers and I need I need something to change. Don't know what that is. But I think we're gonna find out pretty soon. So stay tuned. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.